Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries, a podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spooky, and true grimy, with your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. Let's It's bad out here for celebrities. Bob Newhart from the Bob Newhart show. Is he still Uh kicking? Good for him. He's still still around. Good for him. You're not better than me. Good for him. The one truly exciting one for me, guy who's been in everything, uh, most recently, everything, everywhere, all at once. Some of my mm-hmm, faves mm-hmm. are uh, Big Trouble in Little China and the Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld. James Hong, 94. Nice. Yes, yes. Still keeping booked and busy. I goddamn love James Hong. D&B. Former first lady of the Philippines and shoe collector Imelda Marcos. <laughs> first mother of the philippines current first mom of the philippines yeah so her her little baby boy they were like we we, have get enough lost it i think we have exhausted this list political scientist slash your most annoying leftist friends favorite guy noam chomsky okay (laughs) he's 94 hey he's still kicking (laughs) you do it you do it, He's man. still kicking. He's still yeah, doing good. interviews every once in a while. I feel like a squadrillion years ago, he did a real weird interview on InfoWars with Alex Jones. And Ooh. he was just like... Well, it sounds weird. He was just like dressing Alex down a whole lot. I think Chomsky okay. was like, this guy's I mean, like I'm an sure independent journalist. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, uh, but that's... That's what I got. Well, there okay. she is. You know, we're not yet like we we cannot expect the, we need the a new greats gig. of the uh, of society. Oh, it's so. bad. Avant garde filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky oh. is ninety four. No, he no, almost, but did not Pass. make a Dune no. movie before Lynch. Well, he didn't. Mm. Have not good enough for this list. Sorry. Sorry to that man. Oh, oh Ollie was going to be in the movie. That's fine. That's that's fine. But he didn't. Yeah, sorry. But he didn't. So nothing happened. Uh, having said that, we are careening towards 100 episodes. So please, yeah. listeners, get at us at either on Instagram at creepyandcrazypod or email us at creepyandcrazypod at gmail.com. And let us know what you think uh-huh. we should do, please. We can Help either us. continue going and saying who would be 135 this year, or we could go all the way to 100, and then we could mm-hmm. start over with one. There's got to be some baby celebrities out there. Yeah, so either go baby uh-huh. or yeah, keep going. Yeah, we could do keep going in, in death, death, and then ultimately get, once we get to around like 120, then we'll get back to like celebs we've never fucking heard of. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like today's yeah. list. We're such a weird age. We're not old enough and we're not young enough. Yeah. To know the like I'm not a girl. No, I just mean like if you're like a parent not of a tween, you know all the tween stuff or if clink, you clink. are a tween. <laughs> what is happening? Kevin has been losing. I know exactly what he was doing. He was doing <laughs> the <laughs> knives. He was doing Britney dancing with the knives. Oh, I saw Britney dancing with Britney knives. Dancing with <laughs> the knives. Plink, plink. The memes have days. been amazing with that. Brittany, She's like, the they're prop knives. Girl. And I'm like, Brittany, no, they're not. They're not prop yeah, knives. Yeah, no, I heard them clinking the we whole heard time. The clink, clink, what we were you clinking? It's dangerous. <laughs> Shoeless. Shoeless in her uniform, her 
Instagram uniform of a tiny, uh-huh. tiny, tiny top and bikini bottoms and no shoes in her barren kitchen or entryway. Onyx floor. <laughs> oh my God. I know. But the memes have been great. I, I One of my favorites is Michael Myers doing a exact side-by-side choreography <laughs> of the dance with the knives. <laughs> That's been great. Someone turned her into a TSA like agent out on a tarmac with the signals. <laughs> with the signals. Signaling. <laughs> Somebody did um, Gomez Adams and Uncle Fester yes. with the knives from yes. Adams Family Values. <laughs> yes. It's the meme that keeps on giving. So, uh, Brittany, keep doing your thing. Like, you know, <laughs> your mental health is important, listener, and it's good to take care of yourself. And, like, as far as divorced behaviors go, yeah. solo knife dancing is so much <laughs> more preferable than, like, buying Twitter and, um, <laughs> like, platform. Yeah, she's premises. doing better than Elon. The most uh, who isn't human. though? That's a low, low bar though. Come on. Fair enough. Like, isn't Twitter or X worth like eight billion dollars now? Yeah. And he bought it for I like forty so. something, forty-five. He bought it for forty-four. Now it's worth eight. Elon did a uh, live stream stunt at the border. Love America. Oh God, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he's a migrant. Backwards cowboy hat. <laughs> backwards. He wore it backwards, and he got clowned on. Hello, fellow cowboys. Elon, he wore a backwards cowboy hat for a live stream at <laughs> the border. <laughs> so sorry. He's hunted humans for sport for sure. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, this is all alleged. for sure. Allegedly. And and this is the type of rigorous journalism that we strive to bring to you folks each every and every week, week. Mm-hmm. fully very bold of you to call our out. kiki is journalism hey hey it's five o'clock somewhere that's right i'm sorry our journalism <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere and these this is journalism somewhere amen r.i.p jimmy <laughs> i rest my case <laughs> but yeah edie briefly how was your weekend <laughs> uh my week was good i'm going to australia on the day that this episode comes out. Um, but instead of talking about how my week was, I'm going to talk very briefly about um, some things about uh, the now deceased Diane Feinstein. She was older than the chocolate chip cookie. Truly. When she was mayor of San Francisco in the early 80s, she made sure that there were in the flag displays outside of City Hall that a Confederate flag was present. It mm-hmm. was torn down multiple times mm-hmm. and she put it back up multiple Gotta times. Gotta represent all sides. Well, she, at that She's time, the kind of Dixiecrat part, part of the Democratic Party was still important in California. She did make sure that one of the guys who tore down the Confederate flag outside of San Francisco City Hall uh, was prosecuted for it. She empowered uh, San Francisco police to raid bathhouses and mm-hmm. arrest gay people for being gay because she thought that it her argument was that it would curb the AIDS crisis. Uh, she had she thought knowledge it was that there were no WMDs in Iraq before mm-hmm, she voted mm-hmm. for the war in Iraq and then later would say that she was misled by the Bush administration, which is a lie. <gasps> um, she great. unjustly enriched herself throughout her political career. And mm-hmm. uh, now she is dead and fuck her. Remember yes. the ice cream fridge? She had that ice cream fridge. So all of these kind of like neo-lib obituaries that call her a trailblazing feminist or whatever, like absolutely fucked Diane Feinstein. It was a sad, pathetic end. Yeah, it was. A, it was. It was elder abuse. It sucked. It was pitiable. Anyway, that's how I am. But that's how we all are, actually. This is a good starting point for our, our This is how, <laughs> our, how our week today. was. Diane Feinstein's dead. Britney danced with knives. These are things that happened. Yes, this is like guys talk, people. I watched Death Becomes Her. That was a good time. Yay. Such a good movie. Classic. Um, That's awesome. Robert Zemeckis' greatest film. Yes, it was a real good time. Problematic, but it was of its time, so we can't Uh, say too much about it. 
but okay. it's really fucking funny and we're still worth the watch. It's got Isabella Rossellini's topless wearing necklaces covering yeah. her tits oh, the whole time. Yes, so she it's is. my favorite yes, movie. She yes, she is. Oh, and speaking of movies that we watched uh, this past week, I watched Dr. Sleep because we talked about oh, it last did you? week on the pod. Yeah. Yeah, I decided to give it Mike a go last Flanagan. night. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed oh, it? it. I thought it was really well done. Okay, and it's on I my list. It. It's also got it's a my slow love burn. Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was good. But that's where we're at in this world, people. Uh, take it or yeah. leave it. But we are coming at you with episode 94. We've been chugged along. I have the true crime this week. That's right. Yeah, you promised that it will be weird. Oh. Yeah, and I have nothing this week. So, in the words of everyone, entertain me. Oh, I plan on it. Yeah, and I did say we are going to be weird today. Boy, oh boy, we are. We're even boarding the train to Fun Zone, and we're going to be sitting in the weird car for the entire journey. Yeah, so we love it, we love it, we love it. Okay, oh so my God, I yes. have a guess of his genre if we're going fun and weird. Uh, uh, oh, d- well, sang it. You don't want to yeah, do it? No, no, um, no, you can say Can it. I guess uh, alien abduction? That's a good guess. No, not an alien oh, du- uh, abduction. okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm very So, so picture it. December of 1977, mm-hmm. Williamson County, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. We're staring at the dead grass at the tip of our leather boots as we pan up to see a gnarled yet maintained antebellum house. Okay. We walk around to the backyard where we see the flashing red and blue lights of a few cop cars. Okay. You're the town's only forensic pathologist. You also are the head of forensic studies at Knoxville, so you're kind of respected in your field. Your name is Dr. William Bass. Okay. Yes. I'm going to write this so down. You're here on the scene. Dr. Bass. Just so I can fish. know what it's like. I'm going to write my mm-hmm. name down as Dr. William Bass. Love it. Good. Uh, the <laughs> cops me. were called to a weird, weird fucking crime scene, and they can't figure it out. Okay. They tell you that they responded to a report of a grave being disturbed and possibly burgled. The Very grave burgled. was of Colonel William Shy a Confederate soldier who died in battle like an idiot. Fuck him and fuck his grave. Take fuck it off. his grave. Don't worry. I'm going to talk about that. He died in battle like an idiot getting popped in the head close range with a musket ball. Good. Bye. And he died in 1864. And believe oh, you me. He almost made it. He almost made it out. <laughs> oh, we get what we deserve sometimes. And believe you me, I wish to God that his name was actually Colonel William Angus. Because that ah. would be the only way I would refer to him as a colonel. Colonel Angus. If you know, you know. Got it. Colonel you Angus. Know. You don't oh, know, Miss. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves Colonel Angus. But his name is not Colonel Angus. So I will not be referring to Wait, that what fucking is it, Colonel what? Shy. S-H-Y. So I'm not going to refer to him as a colonel or whatever. Fuck him. Fuck his grave. Whatever. So the crime scene. Traitor. The grave was clearly dug down three to four feet, but more shockingly, sitting erect on top of the coffin was a headless body dressed in what looked like a tuxedo jacket. Headless horseman? A tuxedo wearing headless guy just sitting up. Headless guy. In the grave. Yeah, uh, sitting erect. On top of... When you say erect, you mean sitting up. You're not talking about his... You're not talking about he had a little bony? No, no, no. Okay. That could have been. Rigor Morris, Rigor Morris. (laughs) So there's a coffin, and this man is on top of the body that's already in the coffin. Right. He's sitting atop the coffin. So Dr. Bass did an initial examination of the body on site. It was in an advanced state of decay and partially disarticulated... So it, yeah. it, it was kind of loosey-goosey, but some okay. of the remaining flesh was still pink around the bones and the brain stem. There was brain matter that was still pink. So the okay. uh, pathologist was uh, determined that the body had been dead for about six months to a year based off of the rate of decomposition, which made the scene even stranger. Sounds like somebody was like interrupted. 
like they were doing something and somebody uh-huh. interrupted them. Like it seems That's like a weird... their working theory. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. the cops working theory for sure. They weird. couldn't find the head initially. Again, who was the body? Why was it positioned how it was? Right. Was this person killed here or were they brought here afterwards? Could the head have been removed to conceal its identity? Like there were so many weird questions yeah. that were brought up. I mean, because and if of it's like thing. decayed, it's, you, and exactly you if it was decayed, the body even right, right, you know, where could was have it? Been just is, is, it's in the graveyards, full of bodies. I was just gonna say yeah. it's probably from another grave. So Dr. Bass collected the remains. He recovered all of the body parts except for the head, of course, and they couldn't find one foot and one hand. But he packed up what he could. He planned to further examine the body in the laboratory. Okay. After the headless body was removed from a top shy's coffin, there was, right below the body, a giant hole in the coffin itself. The hole was approximately one foot by two feet in diameter, and it was made by probably a pickaxe or a shovel. So the police were thinking this was a grave robbery slash cover-up in a way. Where they have okay. this other decoy body. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's, I feel like it's not yet clear that the people who did this killed anybody. You know, these it's could have been no. found yeah. bodies. The second yeah. body yeah. wasn't necessarily a murdered body that they murdered. No, it was dead for six months. It just, just have been having a little bit of harmless fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let the masses debate when that. When they removed the body on top of uh, Shai's coffin, they found the hole. And Dr. Bass hung down the, yes, miss, you. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bass hung down uh, and stuck his head and a flashlight Mm -hmm. into the coffin hole itself. And he saw exactly what he expected to see, which was nothing. What? Oh, because they would have taken, they would have taken everything out of it? They could have taken everything out of it, but he has seen enough uh, in the decades of forensics experience. He had witnessed time after time a body buried in the 1860s in the damp Tennessee soil turn bodies into goo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's goo. So Shai's body pulled a secret world of Alex Mack, and he expected that. Got it. Call Gwyneth Paltrow because he's goop. He's gooped and gagged. The coffin itself was not a pine box, the majority of coffins used during the Civil War. This coffin was unusual in the sense that it was made from heavy cast iron. Ooh. Cast iron coffins were very expensive, and only people of prominence could have afforded them at the time. It weighed over 300 pounds, and it had a glass plate where, uh, uh, so you could peer so inside you can, the coffin. So you can watch there. the decay of mother? Or to make sure they were really dead. No, because there's yeah, that you whole... can make sure they're actually in there. You yeah. know what? Just show the feet. Just show the feet, yeah. and that way we can just know that, okay, she's still there. <laughs> I don't so watch. began the whirlwind <laughs> hubbub of this occurrence created around town. Newspaper articles, left hubbub, and right, hubbub, were hubbub. being written about the unknown identity of the body and figuring out what the heck was going on in these necks of the woods. People he's, wanted to know. Where's his head? In these their parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, again, this was all right before Christmas of 1977. So, after the new year, early January, local sheriffs... And the coroner went back to excavate the grave further for further crime scene investigation. Okay. Lo and behold, they found the skull. I believe it fell into the hole that was bored into the coffin. So it was all the way at the back of the coffin and it it was just dark. And I guess when Dr. Bass looked, he didn't look hard enough. So they found it. That gave away the cause of death. Was it decapitation? No, no, no. He was shot. Right in the head. Boom, boom. Mm. Execution style. Okay. All of these bones were taken by Dr. Bass to Knoxville, as well as different labs around the state for expediting the analysis since more heads were better than one. But the following determinations were made. Kevin, I see. (laughs) 
More heads were better than one. More heads oh were better God, than one. Oh my God, I didn't even know. <laughs> Pun oh, King is so that. good, he doesn't even know when he does it. Oh my this God. is royalty. Yeah. <laughs> so the following determinations were made after the bones were examined by Dr. Bass. The sex, he determined, was male. Okay. He determined that the age was between 26 and 29 based off of the pubic region, and he measured mm-hmm. that. Yeah. He determined that the race of the person was white. The man stood between 5'9 and 5'11. Okay. Yeah. Average king. Average king. Yep, yep, yep. And then he didn't have any dental work, but he had a lot of cavities. So that was all noted. Oh. Okay. Oh, no, you should have been brushing your teeth, Grosso. Uh-huh. All right. Look, as somebody who's had seven root canals, it can happen to anybody. It can happen. To, it's mostly genetic. <laughs> it can happen to anybody. Okay. You're right. I've had a root canal. <laughs> and the clothing found on the body could not help determine who the person was because there were no tags on the clothing at all. Okay. But by January 9th, the truth was beginning to become evident by the people in town and by Dr. Bass himself. Okay. By now, by me, test results, yes, test results were starting to come back from labs around the state, as well as okay. his fuller examinations. Okay. It was becoming obvious to him that the corpse was actually Colonel Shy. Shut the whole fuck time. up. What? How could this man, who has been dead for 113 years, be in this position what? and be in the state of decay that he was. Was he like frozen? Well, was he a Did they freeze and a then relative? Because it was weird when he said he was shot. I was like, in the head. I was like, oh, just like Colonel Shy was shot like in Colonel the head. Just like Colonel Shy did. Weird, weird, weird. Well. That is what? true. So, this story, very, I told you it's weird. You it's know, Dr. Weird. Bass shows up. Very weird. He has had decades of forensic knowledge. He's thinking... This is exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at because of all of my years of coming across dead bodies. I know how decomp works. This guy was at a rate of decay comparable to someone that was a year old. But wow. after the further analysis, it was determined that indeed this is the body of a Confederate soldier named William Shaw. I'm with Edie. He must have been frozen. He must have been frozen. Well, let's go through some of the scientific evidence that he collected that corroborated. It's not like we're in Michigan or in Canada where you could be like, well, the ground's frozen for so much of the year that it could have preserved him for a lot longer or he decayed a lot slower. Mm. Number one, he states that the body was dressed in a white silk shirt. Trousers that partially laced up the sides and black square-toed boots. All of these were popular during the Civil War era. Right. The clothing had no tags. They were presumably homemade. Right. They weren't blends of fabrics either. It was pure kind of fabrics. Pure fabrics. And the 70s were like, that was a a poly-blend era. Nightmare. Yes. It was, yeah. You could melt all your clothes. You could. Yes. It was all plastic. <laughs> A heated blanket could end your family. There was <laughs> embalming fluid, also known as arsenic, that was present inside the flesh. Wait, all embalming right, and, fluid is arsenic? I guess this one was. I don't <gasps> know if there's more than one type of embalming fluid. Shocking to me. Okay, moving on. And you're already dead. It's not going to hurt you. But that also was indicative of embalming practices during the mid to late 1800s. Oh, okay. Dr. Bass, he didn't normally deal with embalmed bodies in his work. So this corpse had the appearance of one that had been dead for just a couple of months because the flesh was still pink and there were remnants of brain and intestinal matters that were still found in the body. He was like, how could that have happened? It wasn't just because it was embalmed because he has seen bodies like that before. You still decay. You still turn into soup. They still become soup. 
and he would still become soup. So therein lies the next bit of the story, which was the coffin that was used. This family paid for all of the bells and whistles. This coffin was cast iron, had a window. It was sealed shut. It was painted white. They sealed it shut in a way that it was practically airtight, which Mm -hmm. meant oxygen couldn't come in and a lot of moisture also could not get into the coffin. So that severely delayed decomposition. Oh, like a hundred times slower? This miscalculation was a watershed moment in Dr. Bass's career overall. He'd been a forensic scientist for over two decades at that point, but neither he nor anyone else in his field knew enough about human decomposition to accurately estimate times of death. And this specific instance clearly corroborated that. And so he made a decision then and there to address this lack of knowledge. So by the early 1980s, Dr. Bass opened up the University of Tennessee's Anthropology Research Facility, yes, more I commonly did. known as <gasps> the Body Farm. This is what this the is the body guy who started farm. it. The Body Farm. This is what started the Body Farm. This is the Tennessee Body Farm. Donate yeah. my body to the Body Farm. I've been wanting to donate. I my don't body like to the, body the farm. sun, and I don't like outside. So I'm gonna go somewhere else. But you're like here, encase me in cement. I, I, and then study mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that that's great for me. Study my decomp in cement. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, the Body Farm is a forensic anthropology program yeah. where they have a two-acre plot of land on the campus grounds that houses some 1,800 donated modern human remains, the largest of his kind on Earth. I love it so much. To this day, so much has been gleaned from research from the body farm, it's mm-hmm. forever changed how we think about how the body works in death, how it, it shuts down, how it, it it goes back to you know recycled energy and all that fun stuff. Yeah, we have to thank whoever grave robbed this Confederate fucks soldier. Seriously, because it was determined that uh, once they realized that this was Shy's body. The grave robbers, who were never identified, never caught. Yeah. Good. Let them get away must, with it. No. Must have hit Pater. They bore a hole into the cast iron coffin, started pulling out the guy's body. His head came off in the process, but I'm sure they just snatched anything that he had on him. Yeah. Then either got spooked or or cut and run or what, but they just left the body where it was. I can't believe this is how we got the body yeah. farm. And from me. footage, like video footage from the this body farm is mm-hmm. yeah, super is. interesting. You're yes. just like yes. it's it's a big field of corpses in yeah. all kinds in of different states of yep. Letting them just you know observing what happens mm-hmm. because that's the only way to do it. And yep. um, I mean, from a criminal defense perspective, it's also interesting to highlight how young this kind of science is we're talking about like less than 50 years of of mm-hmm. like this ramped up kind of research into um what happens to our bodies when we die so that's something mm-hmm. to think about when hearing forensic experts talking about what they believe might or might not have happened to somebody and, and don't don't answer if you don't want to but have you come across an instance like that in one of your cases uh, I have not, but it it's, well, I'll say this. It's perfectly conceivable that expert A will look at a set of circumstances and conclude thing X. And expert B can look at the same set of circumstances and conclude thing Y. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that happens at any trial with experts. Yeah, there's, exactly. They're just it's, competing experts. And there's often battles of experts and it's yeah. up to the jury to decide, to decide what they believe is true. Yeah, it's not it's not excellent. Well, it's, it's not to say that, you know, I mean, I'll I'll rail on some kind of forensic stuff as some varying degrees of pseudoscientific, but that's not to say that I don't think that these things are worth looking into and worth studying. I think that as we're doing those studies, 
um, important to realize their impact in other areas. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to arrive at absolute truth anywhere in science. So you'll have these battles of the experts in varying situations in trials, civil and criminal. Mm. And it's Mm -hmm. just, you present all kinds of information to a fact finder and then the fact finder does what they will with it. Regardless of the legal part of it, I think it is unendingly interesting. And I know we can't disregard so cool. the legal part of it. No, but it's, it's incredibly cool. We should be it's studying so what incredibly to us interesting. When we yeah, mm-hmm. it's so incredibly interesting. I am interesting. fascinated by it. I would love to help science in that kind of way. And yeah. so I've been seriously considering donating my body to the body farm. Ever yeah. since my mom died 10 years ago, yeah, she did something similar. She opted to she donate her body to what's called the Anatomy Gifts Registry. Yep. It's a similar, well, not really. Yeah, it is. It's a similar instance where they take the body, use it for medical research. Yeah, so it's like um, medical students a lot of the yes. time. You know, they can do practice surgeries or they can look at certain conditions on mm-hmm. hearts and livers and kidneys and they can really learn invaluable information that otherwise can only be gleaned from a book, which is helpful, but it's not the whole picture. So it helps society at large. It's a hugely beneficial thing. Absolutely. And on top of that, not to get macabre or morbid on people's asses on here, but this is our pod and we're going to talk about what we want. When my mom did that, it was the program too, not only helped students and research Mm -hmm. uh, it also really benefited me as the grieving family in ways because not only did the company cremate her remains afterwards Mm -hmm. they also sent you a letter laying out how they utilized her and what good she went towards for someone like me I found that actually comforting I was like look at mom no I that's amazing I agree with you I think that's great (laughs) It's never too late to go back to school, folks. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kevin. That was an incredible... I love that it was set up like a clue murder mystery. Who done it? Because that's how it was in real life. It took... Yeah, who done it? Nobody done it. Not a nobody. No one. Love it. Harmless fun as I predicted. Harmless fun and, and the only thing... Was some Confederate's grave got like desecrated? Who cares? No, Who but we got the cares? body farm out freebie. of it. That's a freebie, and we got the body farm. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. That's what Don't I think I'll, I'm going to title this because Don't nobody be wants to be a, uh, a Confederate soldier. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for listening to my story. It was a oh, bit of a short one, are. but at the end of the day, it, it it's a good it's one. Fun. It's a fun one. Yeah. Edie, I believe you owe us a weird old time. And coming from you, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Yes, in my uh. trends of doing stories that only technically meet the brief of being oh, either a spoop or a true crime. Oh, God. Why do you tow this line, Edie? Why do you do she, that? Because they know what it does to us. They know it, it for us- the devilment. <laughs> the devilment. <laughs> Vampires. For hundreds of years, we've known them, we've loved them. And while there's some variation in what a vampire can look like or act like, there's generally one common trait vampires share. Taking human blood into the vampire's own body to extend the vampire's life. Usually, young blood. Young blood. Young blood. But those are just stories. Fables. That's legend. Just stories. Myths. Or are they? Oh, God. Uh-oh. Oh, God. In May 2014, researchers at the Stanford University School of Medicine ever heard of it? Sure. Never. Published a study in Nature magazine. This will be good. They found that infusing blood of young mice into old mice could increase the mental capabilities of the aging mice. How'd they do it? I can hear the collective gasp 
of Silicon Valley bros everywhere. Oh my God, miss. Miss? Miss? Is that what this is? You're so good. Oh, why? Because that's what, the what first this? fucking thing I thought of was Look, now Silicon. Here's Stanford. Yeah. The alma yes. mater of Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes. We have a great product. You know what's about to happen? We have a great product of this box. This is a magic box. We're changing the world. No, I'm just imagining a bunch of stupid bros. St- I'm just kidding. If you're a bro, we love you. A bunch of bros standing at a bar, and instead of like drinking a beer, they're like hooked up to IVs, getting young blood. Hold that thought, Miss. Jesus Christ. Oh God. Well, here's how these Stanford researchers found out how the blood of young mice could help old mice. They uh, sewed young mice and old mice together. What? Very human centipede of them. Well, rat centipede. The process is called parabiosis. The name comes from the Greek words for alongside and life. It's a surgical technique that's 150 years old. It brings together the blood vessel structures of two living animals. So these mice are sewed side by side. It's like how you do apple trees. You like cut apple trees and you can mutate them by putting them on other apple tree stumps. Oh, yeah. Then if that's so, then yeah, that's basically... That's parabiosis. Yeah. That's why yeah, I'm it upset. Is. I'm upset. Parabiosis as a surgical procedure kind of fell out of favor after the 70s, but a few aging <laughs> the 1970s. Labs, yes, but a few of these kind of research labs on aging, like this one at Stanford, have been bringing it back, baby. Mm. Oh my god. We have research on forensic science, research That's on right. aging. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. You know what? Listener, synchronicity. We're science bros now. We are. We're science girlies. Okay. <laughs> you two are science girlies. I'm not. I'm an Enjoy. audience girlie. <laughs> I'll so do a science these, episode next week. These Stanford researchers sewed mice together to see what happens. What happened was promising, and they ultimately found out that injecting old mice with the plasma part of blood from young mice tended to improve the old mice's memory and capacity to learn. They had no idea whether the same thing could be uh, possible in humans. So, of course, the lead author of the study co-founded a biotech company called Alkahest to explore the therapeutic implications of their findings. It is a company that still exists, and the website says that they focus on exploring ways to use plasma to treat age-related diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others. Is this like a real medical thing? Alkahest is, I think, the realist one out of them. It's not the only name in the young blood game. It's just probably the most legit seeming one. It sounds like the kinds of trials that they do are looking at exploring whether this kind of thing, whether there are other um, therapeutic ways of using blood plasma to treat age-related diseases. Okay. Alkahest seems fairly legit, especially compared okay. to other other stuff. Okay. Speaking of other stuff, let's talk about a company called Ambrosia. Ambrosia like was salad. a startup like the salad, the food of the gods. Ambrosia is a startup that was co-founded by a guy named Jesse Carmazin. Jesse is a 30-something graduate of Princeton and a competitive rower, and he says he was inspired by Stanford's... A competitive brower? He's a competitive brower. (laughs) He says that he was inspired by Stanford's (laughs) Sewing Mice Together study and other similar Sewing Mice Together studies. Of course he was inspired by Jesse Carmazin has a medical degree from Stanford, but no license to practice medicine. NBD. He founded Ambrosia in Monterey, California in 2014 with another guy who does have a license to practice medicine. So it's chill. Easy peasy. By 2016, he'd announced a human clinical trial 
looking into the effects of plasma from people aged 16 to 25 on people 35 and older. That's rude as hell. And in case you're thinking that this guy is a fringe quack who nobody would listen to, well, Ambrosia was on the radar of Silicon Valley arch ghoul Peter Thiel. So there was buzz. (laughs) Oh, her. Her ever heard of her? Yeah, she sucks. She sucks. Let's remember, listener, that donating plasma for money is a thing that a lot of working poor and middle-class people do to make ends meet. It's a very onerous process that can be painful and draining, and U.S. rules about plasma donation are upsettingly lax. You can donate up to twice a week. Oh, yeah. You can Mm -hmm. get paid for it, Other countries, And you can get paid for it. Other countries don't (laughs) let you donate nearly that often because it's your blood that you need. Yeah, because you need it. Ambrosia's study was looking for plasma from kids as young as 16. And I'll note that there are plenty of legitimate medical uses for blood plasma. Too many to list here. Problems with U.S. donation protocols aside, there are reasons why plasma is highly sought after. And that's all the more reason that using much-needed blood plasma for this kind of bullshit is a bad call. But Ambrosia's study gets better. It costs money to participate. Whoa, wait. In medical that trials, you get paid. Well, if you want to get 1.5 liters of young, supple plasma injected uh-huh. into you over the course of two days, participants would have to cough up eight grand. For two liters, well, though, it's only 12. Grand. Well, if it's a medical trial, doesn't part of it have to be blind? You know, you're getting um, hung up on all of the, uh, like, rules and stuff. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Yeah, that's pesky rules. Yeah, because here's the best part. The whole study probably wouldn't work because there was no control group, and the participants weren't necessarily elderly. They were just over They were just buying drugs. They were just buying drugs. They were elder millennials, but not... They were elder millennials. Elders. They were our age, by the way. Yeah. So... Those things kind of make the whole thing kind of meaningless. The original Stanford mouse sewing guy had this to say about Ambrosia's study. There's just no clinical evidence that the treatment will be beneficial, and you're basically abusing people's trust and the public excitement around this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's fine, because the study was okayed by a commercial ethics board that some for-profits... Commercial we paid these people to say that the study's going to be. Do fine. you understand that commercial and ethics? They're in it automatically cross each other out. Yeah, they, well, they yeah, said it was, it was fine. fine. Yeah, they said it was fine. Miss, you're being a Debbie Downer because Carmassen yeah. said that Ambrosia didn't need FDA approval many times. They didn't need FDA approval because blood plasma transfusion is already a well-established treatment. So, like. Uh, don't worry about it, FDA. It's fine. So Ambrosia starts signing people up, and we're on our way to the future. (laughs) Business is about to be booming, because in 2018, there was a gala event for about 120 mostly boomers in where else? West Palm Beach, Florida. It cost, like, I think about $125 to go to this luncheon. And there, this guy named Bill Falloon, a former mortician in his 60s, was pitching another pay-to-participate clinical trial that experts said looked like bullshit. This one, though, was only supposed to cost $285,000 to participate in. People are paying to be part of studies already blows my mind balloons asking for people to pay if your name rhymes with balloon i can't trust you and i know that that's not your fault and i know that that's wrong of me but he could have changed it it. now i have no idea if anything happens with that trial or if it was pure grift 
We do know that Falloon founded the Life Extension Foundation, which was raided by the FDA in 1987 for illegally importing medicine, though the case was ultimately dropped. We also know that the Florida doctor running Falloon's trial, a guy named Dr. Dipnarine Maharaj, has Mm -hmm. ties to the Hippocrates Health Institute, which is apparently an organization that promotes unproven alternative medicine. And uh, Dr. Maharaj has also been photographed at Mar-a-Lago and also met with future subject of the pod, Dr. Mehmet Oz. (laughs) Living in Pennsylvania during the last election cycle was weird. Thanks to him. Oh, God. Yeah, speaking of Oprah Winfrey earlier in the episode. Yeah, uh-huh. no, we have her to thank for him. For Dr. Oz is fucking bullshit. Well, by the time 2019 rolled around, Jesse uh-huh. Carmazin hadn't released the results of the trial that Ambrosia ran, even though they finished it in May 2018 and apparently got 81 people to participate. Don't worry about it, I guess. Finally, in February 2019, the FDA issued a pretty scathing statement saying that plasma infusions from young people give no proven clinical benefit against aging or aging-related diseases, and the agency's Shock, surprise, warned, I don't, what, huh? Right, and the FDA was st- specifically like, don't do these pay-to-participate clinical trials. Don't sign up for these. Especially not for hundreds of thousands of dollars. No. Yeah, right? They did leave the door open to young blood transfusion therapy within mainstream clinical trials, meaning trials that have a control group, have rigorous oversight, and that you don't have to pay to be a part of. No. This reminds me of... All of that is unethical. Are you guys familiar with Diazen Hossenkoff? Diazen Hossenkoff. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. He chose that name. Speaking of choosing weird names. Oh, I know. He, all of his medical griffs remind me of this plasma bullshit yes. because besides he would fake alert, like cancer murder, cures and stuff and then but most of his yeah. grips were anti-aging live forever potions it's just it's all people are scared of terrible. dying people now are, it might surprise yeah. you to know that ambrosia shut down soon after the fda uh released its statement saying, don't do shit like this. But like any good biotech bro, Jesse Carmazin came back in September 2019, just a few months later. He reached out to an outlet called, you cannot keep a good bro down. He reached out to an outlet called Futurism to announce his new clinic, IV Plasma. This time, Carmazin said that his clinic would provide plasma transfusions not specifically from young people and would do it off-label. And that means that those transfusions would be done for purposes that the FDA didn't explicitly approve of, but that weren't technically illegal. That's weird. And it would cost eight grand for one liter and 12 grand for two. So it's super different, as you can see, from Ambrosia. It's a very different company. I went yeah. to Ivy Plasma's website this morning, and what loaded was a uh, like an SEO style like wellness blog looking site that was in Arabic with stock images. When I Google translated the site, one post read, "Why do some women get flatulence? Bloating in women can be caused by some health problems." So Ivy Plasma is doing great, and their website still exists. It does yeah, not. They're hanging on. Mm. But tech bros still need to feel young. They're on that Sigma grind set. They're drinking all their meals in shake form. They're maximizing their potential. Gross. So let's talk about Brian Johnson. He's a 46-year-old with hundreds of millions of dollars. He grew up in a Mormon community in Utah, went to Brigham Young University, then to business school at UChicago. In 2007, he founded Braintree, which is a payment processing company. Braintree bought Venmo five years later. And then in 2013, that Braintree-Venmo combo was sold to PayPal for $800 million. And Brian Johnson walked with over $300 million Uh in his pocket. I don't know that. I didn't work there for almost a decade. And Peter Thiel. (laughs) Well, within a year, Brian Johnson had gotten divorced, left the Mormon church, and he now lives in Venice, California. Oh, God. He then became obsessed 
with living forever. Oh, no. Why? In posts on his Instagram page. Maybe an extra 50 years. Sounds tedious. Brian is very, Brian Johnson is very serious about it. So serious that on his Instagram page in posts, he's often wearing t-shirts that just say, don't die. Jesus. Which is his mantra. That is so bleak. Johnson founded a neurotechnology company that makes a helmet that maps brain activity that he uses every day. He's also spent $4 million developing a life extension system called Blueprint, which is his current big venture. With Blueprint, Johnson outsources every decision about his body to a team of doctors who use data and an algorithm, essentially, to develop a health routine that Johnson says reduces his biological age. Johnson takes 111 pills a day. Oh, my God. He wears a baseball cap that shoots red light right into his skull. I've seen those. He collects his own stool samples. And he sleeps with a little device strapped to his cock that measures his boners while he sleeps. Get a job. Oh, my God. Why he has he a job. This is his, his job. Why what is he doing boners? What is that? So that he can, so that that? He can measure his kind of sexual really? health and kind of really? like whether he has All the right. penis of a 46-year-old when he wants a penis of an 18-year-old. Do you mean can he still get hard? Can he get hard at the same rate or in the same way as okay. the average okay. 18-year-old. That's his goal. Who would want to be 18 years old? No joke. No joke aside. Right now, looking at your life and then looking at your life at 18, would you really want to We are normal. He is not. That like The idea of being 18 is making me obvious. so anxious. No, he sure isn't normal. He's superhuman <laughs> because he has an incredibly muscular, like, way vascular pale hairless body i don't like that his goal is to get his 46 year old body parts to look and act like 18 year old organs this is really kind of sad it's deeply sad get some botox go for a run and go to therapy he works out seven days a week with and adds high intensity workouts three days a week he says that the data from Blueprint has so far given him the bones of a 30-year-old and the heart of a 37-year-old and the lung capacity of an 18-year-old. He also told Time Magazine. So are you, you going to die at different times then? I don't know. He's got to get it all down to 18 so that he just never dies. Okay. He told Time Magazine, I have on average two hours and 12 minutes each night of erection of a certain quality. To be age 18, it would be three hours and 30 minutes. Girl. How do you know that, no, creeper? It no, Blueprint, it the algorithm told him that that's how Did the he, ideal the male algorithm. 18-year-old cock will work. I don't know how the algorithm got God, developed. I didn't realize 18-year-olds had three-hour boners in the middle of the night. Sorry, it's not Kev. like I didn't know. All, it's, it's not like all the way through three hours. No, it's I like know. it goes kind of like up and down. Huh. Okay. But you're having a penis. You're interested. I'm interested. (laughs) It's worth noting that the director of the Institute for Aging Research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York ever heard of him? (laughs) Met Johnson at an annual retreat for lifespan researchers. And when that guy met Johnson, he told Time magazine he looked sick. He was pale. I don't know what he did with his oh, face. That's sad. He doesn't even look All good. these MDs, we all kind of agreed that he didn't look so great. But he's perfect. But what do these guys fucking know? No. Probably had too much blood or something. That's a great segue, Miss, because of course Brian Johnson has also dabbled in capitalist vampirism. He got his then seven earlier this year. He got his then 17-year-old kid named Talmadge. <gasps> no. Is he measuring his kid's dick? Is that how he knows? I mean, he probably No, is. nothing is as grotesque as oh, that. He just no. got Talmadge to donate his blood plasma to see if it had any significant effect it. on Johnson's de-aging attempts. 
They went to a spa and wellness center in Texas, along with Johnson's 70-year-old dad, Richard. It was a dad, son, and grandpa trip to a spa and wellness center in Texas. The clinic apparently... Likely situation. It's so weird. The clinic apparently uses plasma to try and regenerate hair in men with male pattern baldness by injecting it right into the scalp. Whether or not that works, I have no you fucking can get idea. A surgery that'll just get that'll plugs. Look get at John Cena. To, he looks great. It's 2023. It'll it'll look it'll look good. Well, but for Brian Johnson and for Clout. This clinic took the plasma extracted from a liter of Little Talmadge's blood and injected it into Johnson. And Johnson also had some of his own blood taken, and the plasma from that donation was injected into his dad, Richard. So, oh, so you don't want to go too young. Well, no, it was, it was, you know, baby gives blood to daddy, daddy Mm -hmm. gives blood to grandpa, everybody gets a little bit younger, with everybody gets a little baby our magic okay. everybody gets a little bit of a younger person's blood got it that's really fucking weird i well, just i hope they're all the same blood type because the universe is cold and cruel johnson also documented the process on his youtube channel in a 15 minute video which includes a very awkward hotel room interview. Johnson and Talmadge and Richard are sitting around on the bed, and it's shot, like, kind of from below, which looks... So it's like porn. I'm going to send you a photo, and you tell me what kind of film this looks like. A documentary, a hotel documentary is what I'm going to stand by. Johnson's on the right. Okay, this is a hotel documentary. <laughs> yeah, what are what are you what are you seeing, Kev? What are you seeing in this picture that I just texted? Mm, it just got me. This is step family porn. Ew, I don't like this. Okay, so this looks like the beginning of the Rob Lowe sex tape. <laughs> oh my god, it does. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I've never seen well, it. You I'm know laughing because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> maybe you'll think that this family photo is a little bit more normal <gasps> oh my god now what are we looking other. at here Them and three generations and of wet, really narcissistic heaters. men really fragile they're all white wearing like very fragile white tank tops is it wet nipples hard tiny hard nipples, nipples very hard they're each embracing each other daddy granddaddy looks like he's about to put his pants down daddy's pants he really does. The fingertips are yeah. right yeah. Yeah. on is, the button of the fly. This is pornography. That's what you've done on the Lord's Day. You sent me pornography. Well, I mean, this is just a family that loves each other in a way family that's that cool loves and each good. Other. Mm. Well, Johnson ultimately decided that his teen son's blood plasma didn't really make him younger, so Talmadge was eventually off the hook. All of this happened like four months ago. What I find so fascinating about all of this is how such old ideas, using the blood of the young to extend life, have taken these, have have taken on these techno-capitalist trappings in the 21st century. I mean, it's Madame Bathory bathing in blood to stay beautiful, but now it's the vampire facial favored by the likes of Kim Kardashian. I mean, for that procedure, the facialist microneedles a person's own platelet-rich plasma into their face skin to simulate yeah, cell turnover. Yeah, I don't care what you do with your own platelets. To be so in that sense, honest. it's your own. Um, yeah, I don't care about that. But we can that. also extract a protein from stem cells derived from, for example, Korean baby foreskins yeah. to use in facials. Oof. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. That is real. It costs six hundred and fifty dollars, and Sandra Bullock talked about it on Ellen in twenty eighteen. I believe that. So that that protein, epidermal growth factor, or EGF, is actually used in a lot of skincare products. And the is discovery the of EGF, yeah, it's it doesn't have to come from foreskin, but like, hey, if if You're baby foreskin is anyway. on offer, you know. The discovery of EGF got the scientists involved a Nobel Prize in 1986. And it's apparently, I think, helpful in wound care. 
Are they taking them from live patients or are they developing cells? I think they're, I think it's, hey, we've just cut off this foreskin while the getting is good, extract oh. some cells. And then from those cells, we can replicate taking, like, them. It's, yeah, it's like extractions oh, okay. on extractions on extractions. Yeah. So this story is about vampires. Yes, vampires in several senses of the word. Most obviously, today we talked about people who literally seek to take blood from the young to use in life or youth extending methods for aging. But less obvious and more insidious is the financial and social vampirism of these moneyed ghouls. Brian Johnson spends $2 million a year trying to keep himself young. And these snake oil plasma salesmen we've talked about gleefully shill the woefully unproven possibility that plasma from poor donors can make these rich marks live longer for a price. And it's a price that at least some are more than willing to pay. It's the same kind of exclusivity that drives billionaires to space rather than drives them to affect any kind of positive change for us worms here on terra firma. The future <laughs> for capitalists does not include us, though it no. might include our parts, our labor, our blood, our lives. The future is for the rich. And that's a little bit about capitalist vampires. You know, Edie, when you, when you mentioned vampires, I kind of thought you were going to do an episode on vampire LARPing. Who's to say I won't? I'm not saying you won't. I'm just saying that's what I was expecting. This is just really fucking weird. Yeah. It was really You've weird. You've done it. Gross. It's gross. It's just like, number one, I'm not saying you have to age gracefully. I said it before. If, if changing your appearance is going to make your life easier, then then do it, but you don't need to use the foreskins of babies to do it. And you don't need to use infusions of plasma to do but it. But let's give it up for this Mormon's uh, man's gender affirming care though. Good for him. <laughs> okay. That's right. He likes yes. it. He got it. Yes. He bought it. He bought it. You know, he bought it. gender yes. affirming cares for everybody. God, I love There's that There's no so goddamn way this guy isn't on tea. Oh no. There's no way. Are. He's no. got he's got some everyone some is they have like tea parties in Silicon Valley with they've all the bros. To. Yeah. They've got to. I mean, and it's it's this whole um miss you were talking about earlier of like what makes this feel different to you than I can't other kinds exactly of wellness put thing. my finger on it. I think for me it's this built in classism and class exclusionism. That's mm, what it is for me. Mm -hmm. It's the utter okay. disregard for your fellow man because you're spending millions and millions every year to on this do what exactly think that you're yeah. gonna live longer yeah maybe brian johnson longer. in that time interview that i highly recommend it's in the sources um he was talking about what he's doing with blueprint as the next phase in human evolution and of course that's like standard tech bro mm -hmm. like horseshit talking none of this yeah. is what he's doing no. is useful or helpful or anything but no. it's a really interesting window into his worldview and other capitalist worldviews like peter Thiel, like elon musk like all of these guys who want to um repopulate the earth in their own image mm -hmm. it's that this next yeah. stage in human evolution is for me and those like me who can afford it. It's new genetics. Because they are worthy and others are not. Yes. It's eugenics based on uh, primarily on class. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just thought as, as I was doing it, I was like, oh, this is pure fun zone. But then I was like, actually, it's another example of, you know, the only war is the class war, and we've been yes. fighting it for a very long time, whether or not we know it. Yes. It would be yes. better if we knew it. It would be so much better if we knew it. Then we could stop yeah. with all of the distractions that they throw at us. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's so good to clown on tech bros, and we always should mm -hmm. every time. We should clown on them every day, and we should also fucking take their stuff. 
Take it. We should take their money in Minecraft. Take their stuff. But yay, thank you, Edie. I appreciate this story. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely weird. It definitely pushes the boundaries of what a vampire is for this purpose of our show. But it's technically a vampire it's story. It's who you are. And I really appreciated this story. It made me mad and it made me sad. So and we had a science it. theme today. We did. <laughs> we did. Yes, we We're did. Bill and I, the science guys. Yay. Well, uh, Miss, I hope you enjoyed as the audience. Uh, oh, I sure to did. Two stories. Oh, I absolutely did. I loved both of them. I love that I got to play along and be the detective partially in Kevin's story. And Edie, I'm a little mad, but I'm not Cabbage I'm Patch Mad. I'm going to give you a weird little guy, like a weird little rich guy to clown and on. And I'm always going to love hate it. I can't resist a weird little rich guy. <laughs> so, Miss, where can people find us online and yeah. tell us uh, how their experience has been with their plasma transfusions? <laughs> if you would like to tell us that story and you're not required to, please hit us up at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Instagram at creepyinquiriespod. If you're interested in any of our sources, we post them on the website each week. Uh, creepyinquiriespod.com. And then if you are feeling generous and you've got a minute, give us a cute little rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. Um, it really helps us out, and we really appreciate it if you do. Five stars, or I will enlist your teen daughter and your <laughs> elderly mom. And take them on a trip to Texas to vlog about our plasma transfusion date. Barf. Just the five stars, people. Barf. Let's go get facials instead. Yes. (laughs) Listener, thank you so much for joining us on this episode 94, the TikTok star gangsta grandma aged episode. That's fun. She's number one on the list of 94-year-old celebrities. She beats out oh, good for her. Good for her. And until next time, good.